0: Welcome to the Pastor's Study.
1: Do you give offerings to your church or maybe do you send money and give offerings to overseas missions? Well today we're going to go back in time to two places. First we'll go to Jerusalem about 33 AD where Jesus watches the widow put her offering into the treasury. And then we'll move ahead to about 56 A.D. The Apostle Paul is taking up a collection from the churches to take to Jerusalem to help the poor Christians in Jerusalem. And he's going to tell them facts about giving before he takes the offering. So, let's take a moment, let's pray, and let us begin. Lord God, we pray that uh, each of us, as we look at these verses from Uh, Jesus and from the Apostle Paul. If any of us are being greedy, just lazy, uh, doubting, help us joyously to become cheerful givers. And speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, let's go back to about 33 AD. Turn with me to Mark chapter 12. Jesus is going to die on the cross fairly soon, but first he goes to the temple. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. We read this, And Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the multitude were putting in money into the treasury and many rich people were putting in large sums. First lesson I want you to get today, Jesus watches what you put in. Now, I've been a pastor many years. I have never looked at the books to see what members give little and what members give big sums. The reason I don't do that is I don't want to get mad at certain people that are tight, and I don't want to schmooze the people that are generous because uh, I don't want to look. But you know what I do preach? Jesus watches what you put in. There's a story many years ago of a visitor to a wealthy New York City church. And he's sitting there and he has $5 that he's going to put in the plate. But who comes as the usher handling the offering plate but a world-famous, wealthy New Yorker? And he quickly took the $5 and turned it into 100 and put it into the plate. <laughs> well, The point is, who cares if a Gazillionaire can see what you put in the plate. Jesus sees what you put in the plate. Verse 42, And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Here's the next lesson. Poor people can give. Well, well, you mean, Pastor Brock, that if I don't make much money, God expects me to give? Yes. Poor is relative. Do you know that we in America, even if you've got a small apartment, we are richer than medieval kings. Henry VIII did not have running water. He didn't have a heater or an air conditioner, uh, and he didn't have a refrigerator and an automatic toilet. Your small dumpy apartment if you live there, you live better than Henry VIII. I've been to Haiti, the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. People live in cardboard shacks in Haiti, but when they go to church, they give. So don't let the fact that you're not making a lot of money be an excuse for you not to give. Poor people can give. Harold Nye said these words, if you are not generous with a meager income, you will never be generous with abundance. Let me repeat that. If you are not generous with a meager income, you will never be generous with abundance. So years ago in England, in New Brighton, England, they were having a missionary meeting and making an offering for the missions. And a woman came up to the pastor, a poor, poor widow of the church, and gave him a gold sovereign coin. And the pastor who knew this lady said, I can't accept that, that's too much. And the widow said, Pastor, I've been able to give the Lord copper coins. Few times I've been able to save up and a few times I've given silver coins. But before I die, I wanted to save up and give my Lord a golden coin. Please take it for missions, Pastor. And the pastor received it. (laughs) Poor people can give. Look at verse 43. And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty, she put in all she owned, all she had to live on. Here's the next lesson. Jesus here praises sacrificial giving. Let me, let me define sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving is giving till it hurts. Now, maybe you've heard the old hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take My Silver and My Gold, Not a Mite Would I Withhold. That was written by Francis Havergal in 1874. It was put into print four years later, and in 1878, Francis Havergal s- saw her hymn that she had written in print in a hymnal. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. She was suddenly convicted because she had lots of jewelry at home. She went home, packed her jewelry, and dedicated it to the Foreign Mission Society. And she said, I have never packed a box with such pleasure. (laughs) Now that's giving, but that's not sacrificial giving. Here's sacrificial giving. Here's a, a, a teacher woman, a Christian woman in, in Japan. She takes care of herself and her elderly mother. She makes very little money, but every month in her checking account, she sends a check uh, to her church. And somebody saw her, her checkbook and said, that's too much, that's too hard. And she responded, I want it to be hard. <laughs> that's sacrificial giving. So there's the story of the poor widow about 33 AD in Jerusalem. We learned, number one, Jesus watches what you put in, number two, poor people can give, and number three, Jesus praises sacrificial giving. Now let's move ahead to 56 AD. In modern-day Greece, there's a town called Corinth. Paul's writing to the Corinthian Christians about this offering he's collecting for the saints in Jerusalem, but he's going to tell them six facts about giving before he asks them for money, and let's see what those are. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, let's look at verse 6. Paul the apostle writes, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also, also reap bountifully. Here's the first fact about giving, it's called the law of the harvest. If a farmer puts lots of seeds in the ground, he gets lots of plants back up. If he puts a few seeds in the ground, he gets a few seeds back, few plants back. This is true spiritually too. If you're generous with your money and you give to the Lord and others, you're going to get back a lot. If you're stingy and just give a little, you're not going to get back much. Back in the 1800s, the wealthiest man on earth was Baron Rothschild. He had an artist friend by the name of Ari Schaefer in Paris. And one day he was talking with his friend in the studio and the artist said, I want to paint a portrait of a a poor beggar. And Baron Rothschild said, tomorrow I'm going to dress in rags. I'll come. I want you to paint me as a poor beggar. So the next day he's sitting there in the artist's studio and one of Ari Schaefer's friends comes in and sees this poor beggar there and goes over and hands him a French gold coin. <laughs> and leaves. Ten years later, he received a bank draft from the House of Rothschild for 10,000 French francs with his letter. Sir, you one day gave a gold coin to Baron Rothschild in the studio of Ari e. Schaefer. He has invested it and made good use of it and today he sends you the capital you entrusted to him together with the interest it gained. A good action is always followed by a good reward. Signed, Baron Rothschild. (laughs) My question is, do you think God will do less for you than Baron Rothschild? Paul says, he who gives generously will get back generously. John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress back in the 1600s and he said this, A man there was, and they called him mad. The more he gave, the more he had." And Peter Marshall, the famous uh, uh, preacher uh, of of, a Presbyterian church, he's long dead, but he said, quote, "'Let us give according to our incomes, lest God make our incomes match our gifts.'" (laughs) So it's called the law of the harvest. Next, let's look at verse seven. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart. The next lesson is this, the decision is yours. What you give to God is between you and God. The decision is yours. Now I haven't heard about this for many years, but it used to be a practice in some churches that at the end of the, uh, every year, they put up every member's name on a bulletin board in the back of the church, Listing how much money that person had given to God that year. I think that stinks. Paul says here, look, it's between you and the Lord. And then look at verse 7 again. Not grudgingly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Here's the next lesson. Attitude matters. God loves a cheerful giver. So they asked the farmer, does Bessie the cow, does she give 11 quarts of milk a day? And the farmer said, oh no. If I can get two of my hired men to hold the cow down, I can get 11 quarts out of her a day, but she doesn't give anything. I I read that and I thought, I know church members like this. And I saw a cartoon of a lady with a crying baby. And in the cartoon it says, what's wrong? And she says, he's teething. And then the uh, the next slide, the same woman with her husband crying. Well, what's wrong? And she said, he's tithing. (laughs) Well, um, your attitude matters. There's, There's a story of a church that had its normal Sunday offering, but then they had a second time to pass the plate through to make an offering for foreign missions. And the man receives the plate and he says, well, he kind of lifts his nose and says, I don't believe in foreign missions. And he passed the plate on. And the lady next to him says, sir, take something out of the plate. It's for the heathen. Your attitude matters. I the, Here's the way I do it. I like to write my check to the church before I make the money. So like at the beginning of the month, I would write the check and... But I pray before I write the check. (laughs) So just do that. Uh, God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. The next fact about giving are three important words. God is able. This is the verse that I think will help you to start tithing, giving ten percent of your income to the Lord. If you're not doing that yet, you got to know something before you can actually give like that. You got to know God is able. What that poor widow was was saying when she put that money in, she believed God was able to take care of her if she gave the money. Years ago, like I said, I never looked at the books of who were the good givers at my church, but. I knew in general terms, and, and uh, uh, not about the specific people, but whether many people tithed or not. And and the treasurer guy that knew stuff, uh, somebody, one of the elders, told me that there's lots of people at our church that don't tithe, and that depressed me. And I, I started thinking, well, you know, where are you at spiritually with the Lord if you won't give him back 10%? And I said to this member, I said, Why do you think these people tithe? And he said, they're afraid. And they think if they give generously, they won't have enough left over. And he said, they don't understand. God is able. (laughs) I saw a documentary of this. In Algeria, in Africa, when the natives want to catch a baboon, they'll take a gourd and they'll They'll make a hole in the top and they'll fill it full of nuts. Then they'll cement the top back on and they'll make a little hole in the bottom of the gourd. So at night when the baboon comes, he puts his hand inside the little hole and he'll grab a hold of the nuts. But now he can't get his hand out of the gourd. And he's a greedy baboon and he won't let go. And in the morning the natives come up with gunny sacks and catch the baboons. (laughs) Is that you? Are you holding tight to what you've got because you don't understand? If you let go, God is able to even give you more back. Verse 9. As it is written, and now Paul quotes the Old Testament, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness abides forever. Now Paul again. Now he who supplies seed for the sower, God, and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality through this this uh, ministry that is producing thanksgiving to God. He's talking about his collection he's taken up. For this ministry not only serves the saints, the needs of the saints, but it's overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof of this ministry, they will glorify God." Uh, I want you to notice the word proof there. Here's the next fact about giving. Giving proves something. Again, when the widow put that offering in in the treasury, it was proving that she believed God is able. When you start giving generously, you're proving that you believe God is able. And then look at the rest of verse 13. Uh, The proof of this ministry, they, the Christians in, in Jerusalem who are poor and get your offering, they will glorify God for your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. Here's the last fact about giving. It says, giving glorifies God. Now, I, well, here's what I do. I give my tithe to my local church. The 10% of my income goes to my local church. But my offerings above and beyond the tithe, tithe go in anywhere. I, I like to give to International Christians Concern. They help Christians who are being persecuted. I like to give to the Timothy Initiative. They're uh, bringing uh, lost people to Christ overseas. There's the Jesus Film Project. There's wonderful things. But you know when I give, that does two things. Number one, it proves to me, I must really believe the Christian gospel. I'm a tight guy. I'm cheap. I don't let go of money very or easy. So if I write a rather large check to International Christian Concern, that says to me, I must really believe in this Christian gospel. And the second thing, according to this verse it does, it glorifies God. It helps people. There's something that feels good about knowing that my meager money is being used for eternal purposes. That's just a great feeling. So, let me close with this. Many years ago, there was a Princess Eugenia of Sweden. She sold her diamonds and built a hospital for the terminally ill. She was a Christian woman. She would visit her hospital. And here's an older woman who is dying and who does not have any religion at all. And so the the queen says to the matron as she leaves, take special care of that woman. I'd love to see her come to Christ before she dies. The story goes that eventually later she returned, saw this woman again, but the woman was glowing with joy because she had received Christ. And Princess Eugenia went back to the palace and said to her husband, I saw the glitter of my diamonds today. <laughs> there is something that feels good and it's God-glorifying when you use your money for eternal purposes. Amen.
2: Welcome to the portion of the Pastor Study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday, walk with him. Pastor Brock, can you explain what exactly is tithing and where Mm -hmm. did the principle of tithing even come from? Well,
1: it comes from the Old Testament. The Jews were to take 10% of their crops and give it to the Lord. And then that translates today as you take 10% of your income and give it to the Lord.
2: So tithe meant... The 10%. 10%. I didn't know that. Uh That's a new thing for me. Uh So can a person tithe their time instead of their money?
1: I think we should probably aim toward doing both. And I, you know, some people say, well, I give my time, I just don't give my money. Well, wait a minute. Americans especially are so into materialism. I think it's good for us, healthy for us to give 10% of our money to the Lord. And Jackie, I had somebody come up to me once and said, well, Pastor Brock, tithing is an Old Testament concept. New Testament Christians don't have to tithe. And I said, okay, but let me ask you a question. The Jews knew this much about the love of God, and they were to give 10%. Since the cross and resurrection of Christ, we know this much about the the love of God. Should we be inspired to give more or less than an Old Testament Jew? And so Jackie, it's it's not a legalism, but 10% I think is, especially in America where we're about the wealthiest nation on earth, I think Christians should tithe, yeah
2: okay so your time is not the only well thing.
1: i think you got to give your money
2: it's it's and just
1: part of trusting the lord yeah
2: okay is it okay to take part of your tithes and give it to a mission overseas instead of your local church or is tithing only for your local church?
1: well now i'm just going to give you my my personal practice i don't know that there's a clear verse to answer that question but here's what i like to do because i'm being fed at my local church my 10% of my income goes to my local church. But then my offerings, which is more than your 10%, I send wherever I want. Uh, so that's that's what I do.
2: Okay, so you're talking about giving to your church and to like missions of that. Are there some missions that you personally like that people should maybe think about sure. looking into?
1: I will tell people, if you... Uh, First of all, give your 10% to the church. But if you're looking for where to give your offerings, I love the Jesus Film Project of Campus Crusade for Christ. All over the world, they're showing movies to people of the life of Christ. They're getting saved. Uh, The Timothy Initiative is a wonderful ministry overseas bringing Christ to places that have no uh, churches or or word of God. I love International Christian Concern. they're, They're the people that help the persecuted Christians overseas. There is Samaritan's Purse. There's Voice of the Martyrs that are also helping the persecuted. So there's lots of good places to give your money.
2: Okay. I guess I'm kind of going to go on a little further with that, though. Mm-hmm. How do you know if a mission group is legitimate yeah. and will not you know, misuse yeah. you your donation?
1: Jackie, I'm amazed that Christians give money to some of these TV preachers who say, I prayed over this hanky and my faith has gone into this hanky. We're going to send you this faith hanky and you're going to be healed. How on earth can people give those people money? So let me tell you who to give your money to. (laughs) Go to charitynavigators.org, charitynavigators.org, and it'll show you all the various ministries, some are Christian, some are secular, but they'll tell you how upfront those groups are and how much of your money goes to what it's supposed to go to. There's something also called the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, ECFA, and if a group has that seal on their ministry, it means they're above board and they've got uh, accountability. Now there are smaller ministries that can't afford uh, the, the audit every year to be ECFA and that's us Jackie. We are a very small shoestring budget but so if you're not a ECFA, it's not necessarily that you're skimming off the top. Like, uh, Jackie, we have a board of, of a Christian people that oversees the ministry. They decide that I'm not going to get a jet. I'm not going to drive a limo. And, and our our ministry, by God's grace, is very faithful with people's money. It almost all goes to buy TV time. So those are some ways you can tell.
2: Is there anything wrong with giving a lump sum at the end of the year instead of giving a weekly or monthly offering? (laughs) I think
1: there's something wrong with that. Because that says, well, I'll wait till the end of the year and see if anything's left over. And if there is, I'll give it to the Lord. That that shows no faith.
2: You know, I hadn't thought about it in that direction because if you do wait till the end of the year, you're not doing anything during the rest of the year. Right, yeah. Isn't it wrong to tell another person how much you give?
1: Well, Jesus said when you give don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing and he said beware the Pharisees they like to you know kind of blow trumpets to make sure people see how much giving they do so we need to be humble and quiet about it overwhelmingly Jackie I think when you give to the work of the Lord you shouldn't tell anybody now on the other hand I have a friend who is a financial advisor and he asked me Tom where are you gonna leave your money and I I I opened up and I told him everything because that's kind of a special situation. I mean, he's not going to care. And so I think it's okay to talk to certain people about how much you give, but other than that, I would hide it. Because Jesus said, you know, about the Pharisees, they've already got their reward because they're telling everybody about it.
2: If somebody really doesn't enjoy doing this, what do you (coughs) say to them to say, should you give?
1: Yeah. If somebody doesn't enjoy giving, should they not give? Well, I think they need to prey on their attitude, and sometimes you get a changed attitude as you do it. <laughs> so I, I, you know, some by my, sometimes my attitude kind of stinks, but I still do it.
2: Okay, if a person doesn't give, does that mean that they're lacking in faith?
1: I think so. If, if, if a Christian refuses to support the work of the church and ministry, I think something's wrong. Something's going on that's wrong there, Jackie. Yeah.
2: Well, Tom, we're really down to the very end here. Do you want to say anything to the. Well, yeah, everybody,
1: just um, be careful who you give your money to. I'm not saying you send it to me, but I wouldn't send it to some of these TV preachers who are flying a jet. And uh, just be careful. Give. Tithe your 10% of your church. Give offerings. If you're nudged to give to us, we are very faithful with your money. We live a, we live a very simple life, and almost all the money you send in goes to buy radio. Uh, excuse me, TV time. And when we get enough money in, we just add another city to see our TV show. So please pray. Give as the Lord leads wherever you're at. And uh, Jackie, why don't you wrap it up for us?
2: Well, how long have we been doing this, Tom?
1: We've been doing this show for 30 years, Jackie, in Minneapolis uh, for like 22, but then nationally for eight years now.
2: So there you go. Well, I just would like to thank God for all of the wonderful people that have come forward and that have made this ministry what it is in today's day. And pray that everybody continues.
0: Yeah, because we're getting old. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study.